Amen. So I titled the sermon, Understanding the Nature of God, and I Can Know Myself. I can know who I am when I understand His nature. So I, I am going a little bit against the way I normally preach because I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart on Monday and He said, tell them who I am, son. Tell them who I am. See, if I know who He is, I know who I am. I have a challenge for you though today. How many of you believe the Word of God is true? Amen. Amen. You believe that? Do you believe it enough that if the Word of God goes against what you think, you'll surrender your thoughts to God and say, God, I'll believe what your Word says, not what I think. Do you do that? Will you do that today? You know, every one of us have been taught things that are wrong. I'm not giving you what I think today. We're going to be in the Word. We're just going to let the Word explain for itself, basically. We're going to see what He says about Himself. So, I'm going to challenge your thoughts today. And I'm going to challenge... Well, we'll just see what happens. I'm not really for sure what's going to happen, actually. So let's pray. Jesus, I come before You today. I'm so thankful that You're God and I am not. Lord, I'm only a conduit. I'm just a big mouth. And Lord, I I yield my mouth to You, Father. Lord, use me. Lord, just speak through me. I pray the Spirit of God just awakens us today. And God, move by Your Spirit to each and every heart, every life. I pray that You bring hope. And that You'll bring, Lord, such encouragement from Your Word. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in Romans chapter 15. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to start with verse 14. He says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are all full of goodness filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15 is all about how the church treats each other. How we are going to welcome new folks. It says, let the, the strong bear the, the failings of the weak. And it says, welcome, you know, people into the body of Christ. So we're still dealing with that. But I wanted to sort of go back over some of the things where Jesus declares who he is. Cause that's really very meaty in my opinion. And, and so it challenges some of the thoughts of my brain. And so, before I get into Romans 15, I want to show you a few things through the rest of the Scripture, just just five one five verses, but I want to show you some things that God says about Himself, okay? In John chapter 4, verse 24, He is speaking to, I believe this is the woman at the well, and she's saying, should we worship on this mountain or worship who we're here? And He says, here's the news, lady. 
God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, we are made in the image of God, right? God made us like him. He made us body, soul, and spirit. Now, what the devil tries to do is get all of our attention on this body. We spend a lot of time taking care of this body. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotion. But we are also a spirit. See, God speaks to you in your spirit. That's why sometimes you'll think you'll hear the voice of God, but it's just an internal voice. Some people say, well, that's my conscience. No, it's not. It's God. It's God speaking from His spirit to your spirit. And you better listen, because that's where you're going to find the greatest life. This has maybe been an unusual service to some people. Maybe you've never felt anything like this. What's happening is God is moving by His Spirit. See, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the agent of God on the earth. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is right on His right hand, right? He says, I sit right beside the Father. I'm on His right side and He's praying for you today. He's making intercession. So why do we feel here? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving and waiting for God to make a command to do something, to enact what He is doing. God is a Spirit. And He's truth. You know, a lot of people are going to tell you in this life there is no certain, th- there's no certain truth. There's no absolute truth. There is an absolute truth. And it's the Word of God. It's funny because the Bible says that His Word is truth, but in John 1, one it says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word is Jesus. He says, sanctify them by Thy Word. Sanctify them by Jesus. John 17.17, 17, right? So God is a Spirit. We, I think, many times get just a little afraid of that Spirit stuff. Right? Can we preach today? (laughs) I am coming to you to ask you to divorce some of the things that you were taught as a kid. Some of the things that, that maybe you heard growing up. You know, especially about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I feel like many believers treat the Holy Spirit like this. Don't get too close to me. Don't rub off on me. I don't really know what you're going to do. Well, I do. The Holy Spirit ain't going to do anything contrary to the Word of God. Right? The Holy Spirit is just here to bless you. To lead you into all truth. You, If you have difficulty reading your Word and understanding your Word, it's because you're trying to do it in yourself. Pray before you read the Word and say, Spirit of God, would you enlighten my eyes? Would you let, see this book that you hold in your lap today, whether it's on your phone or an actual paper, it's alive and it's spiritual. And it's the only thing, folks, we could go to the library today and get some of the best self-help books in the world to try to change you and it doesn't work. Well, you maybe can curb some things for a few days, but only the Word of God can reach down into your soul and say, that anxiety don't need to be there. Give that to me. That bad thinking, let's get rid of that. 
The way you talk, that negativity that just comes to flow from your mouth, that's the language of the devil, by the way. And God says, I want to change that negativity so you become positive. I'm going to put my spirit in you. So I'm trying to say, quit quit doing this with the spirit and start doing this. Come on, come on. I give you my all and I take you. Psalms 86 verse 15, this is our psalmist David. He says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. How many of you were taught that God is mad? That God's waiting to strike you down? That if you mess up, boy, God's got a a whip or a thunderbolt for you. (laughs) That's contrary to the Word of God. Does God discipline us? Yes. But He's not a child abuser. Thank you. God will not abuse His children. John 1.12, He says, I give you the power, the right, the authority to become a son of God. You see, when you start seeing that you are His child, come on, think about it. Think about how much you love your kids. Most parents would give their life just like that for their, for their child. <laughs> Where did that attitude come from? God Almighty said these people need a Savior. Son, will you go and give your life for, these, for, the, for our kids? And he says, yeah, Dad, I'll go. Humbled himself and became a man. Lived this life and gave his life up for you so that you could have life. Our God is full of compassion. So even when you mess up, God's not mad at you. God's saying, oh, come on, come on, we can overcome this, this attitude, this, this behavior. Don't run from me, run to me. He's full of compassion. He's gracious. He's long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. You're going to begin to see some of these words used more than one time. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, God is dealing with Moses And he's dealing with Moses after Moses had a little temper fit. After Moses come down from the mountain where God gave him the Ten Commandments, and he comes down and he sees the children of Israel just having a party and worshiping a a false god. And Moses throws those stones down and they break. Throws down the very Word of God. God says, Moses, come on back up here. Now carve your own slate. Bring me a couple of slates and I'm going to take my finger and I'm going to write it for you one more time. But listen to this. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, that means patient, and abounding in goodness and in truth. Hallelujah. Yeah, Are you getting that? Are you awake? Somebody ought to be shouting about now. That God has been patient with you, right? How many of you have, have made the same mistake a thousand times? Hallelujah, come on. Most of us have done the same thing every time. Father, I'm sorry. Father, I'm sorry. Father, I'm sorry. Right? What does God do? Come on, buddy. Come on. I forgive you. Hallelujah. Full of compassion. Long-suffering means He's patient with us. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, here's the way God describes Himself. He says, God is love. What does love do? Love sacrifices. See, Americans, we know, we know love this way. Well, I love you. I love you. I love you. As long as you do what I like, I love you. Nah, that ain't really love. Love says, I'll lay my life down for you. Your needs are greater than my needs. I love you. I'm committed to you. Verse 10 said this, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation. That means the atoning sacrifice for our sin. The thing that would take away our sin. The thing that was needed so that we wouldn't stand before God in our sin any longer was Jesus. He was a propitiation. Verse 17. He says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment. Listen to these next few words. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Mm-mm-mm. As He is, so am I. Will you say that with me? As He is, so am I. If God is love, Eric needs to be love. Yeah, you didn't buy that one, did you? <laughs> I'm working on it, folks. I'm working. <laughs> if God is long-suffering, Eric ought to be long-suffering. As He is. See, why does it matter that we know who our God is? Because then we know who we are. See, the world's got this different dream for you. It goes something like this. If you'll just get money, you don't need anything else. And God says money's empty. Money is not going to bring you joy and peace like you think it will. Matter of fact, money may bring you more anxiety than you already have. But I, (laughs) I am the one you can trust. I am the one that will take over your life. I will be there when money is not. I'll be there when people are not. And I will be your hope, your joy, your peace. Oh my goodness. Let's figure out who He is. What would it be like if we became like God? Now, don't go too far with me on that. I mean, I know you're probably thinking, heresy in the house, heresy. (laughs) We're never going to be exactly like God, but we're supposed to be similar to Him, right? That's why they call us Christians. He also said that we would be fearless in the day of judgment. I don't know if anybody's a little nervous about the day of judgment, but if you've got Jesus in your heart, it ain't a big deal, right? Because you ain't going to be standing there in all your guilt and problems. You're going to be standing there covered in the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, that one hurts. Against such there is no law. You know, sometimes when I think about all the things that God is, I realize that I am not. 
And so there's a tendency in us to think I've got to be better. I've got to self-improve. I've got to start doing better. And you know what? I can't. It's just, it's short-lived. If you've got a quick tongue like I've got a quick tongue, how many times have you asked the Lord for patience? How many times have you said, God, help me control my tongue? Hmm. You making me feel like I'm by myself today. <laughs> Shame on you. You know, the Holy Spirit will remove the abrasive qualities about you. Should I say it again? The Holy Spirit will remove the abrasive qualities that are in you. You know, if you're always that person rubbing somebody the wrong way, you know the Holy Ghost will work in you if you allow Him. If you don't do this, stay back, Holy Ghost. I don't trust you. When you start embracing Him, see, the thing about fruit, it grows by itself. I can't add it. See, the Lord didn't say, hey, son, I want you to be more loving. I want you to be more joyful. I want you to be more patient. You really need to grow in this one. He didn't tell me that. You know what he said? Allow the Holy Ghost to grow in you. Because the Holy Ghost comes with fruit. See, as the Holy Spirit comes in me and begins to develop in me, I don't have to try to love. He starts loving in me. Does that make sense to you? He brings this patience. When I was a kid, I was the most impatient person in the world. You ever heard that joke where the preacher moved to a town and and uh, he needed a, a lawnmower and he saw this little boy had a lawnmower and he bought this lawnmower from this little boy and took it home and it wouldn't start. And so he took it back to the little boy. He said, you sold me a lawnmower that wouldn't start. He said, no. He said, it'll start. He said, well, how? Tell, show me the, the trick. And he said, you got to cuss it, preacher. <laughs> and he said, son, he said, I don't cuss. I don't do that anymore. He said, you keep yanking on that thing and I better come back to you. <laughs> Anybody ever wanted to cuss a lawnmower? <laughs> but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost takes over. He begins to develop this fruit inside of you. Begins to remove some things. It's a God thing. It's not you thing. Right? It's not a you thing. It's a God thing. So let God have its perfect work in you. And it doesn't happen immediately, does it? It takes some time. In Romans chapter 15, then we got a couple weeks ago, we, we read this verse where God describes Himself. In verse 5, He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. Patience, I told you, is staying power. See, we, we get impatient with us and we want to throw our toys down and go home, Right? We get impatient with people. We get impatient with our spouses. We get impatient with our kids. Lord, why do they just keep making the stupid mistakes? Yeah, they're just like you. <laughs> the Lord told me something this morning when I was in the shower. He says, I never plant a tree in someone's heart. 
Everything I do comes through a seed. See, God plants a seed in you that becomes a tree. He doesn't put the tree in you. Does that make sense? So why do you need patience? By and large, you need it for you. So that you'll say, God, I've blown it again. Forgive me. And you still got that staying power. You remember Peter? When he blew it, what'd he do? I'm going fishing. You know what he was really saying? I'm giving up. I'm going back to the life I know. I know how to fish. This, this thing with Jesus, I just don't know. My Jesus, my hope was, was on a cross. And I failed him in that. I give up. What's he need? He needed some patience. He needed some staying power. And that's when Jesus come to the, to the beach and said, I've got breakfast for you, Peter. Come on, let's talk. What an amazing story. The God of patience, the staying power, and the God of comfort. That's the same root word as the Holy Ghost, as the Holy Spirit. It means encouragement. See, only the Holy Spirit can encourage you. I remember Sister Rita one time when after her son had, had died, and she was so distraught, as of course as she would be, but she went into her, her prayer room, and she put on some worship, and she said, I just begin to dance before the Lord. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Sounds stupid to me. But you know what? It wasn't stupid. It was miraculous. Because God turned her mourning into dancing. God did something mighty in her heart. We are never without hope. Hallelujah. Because we serve the God who calls Himself the God of comfort. God cares when you hurt, I promise you. But He said this, here's the result. I want you to be like-minded towards one another. And I want your mouth and your mind to be in unity. Oh, geez, that hurts. Right? He says, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to be like me. And I want your mind and your mouth to work together. You know, it's so much easier to teach this stuff than it is to speak it on Monday. (laughs) I can preach it, but when it comes to Monday and something bad happens, boy, I'm going to tell you, I'm reminded sometimes of my own sermons. Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask a God who gives liberally and braideth not. He'll give you wisdom. But don't be double-minded. Because that man won't receive anything from the Lord. Do you know that oftentimes we stop our own prayers from being answered? Because we pray and then our mouth gets involved. And our mouth starts speaking death. And our mouth starts speaking doubt. And you need to stop. And there is a holy moment for you. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be quiet. Just be quiet until your mind and your mouth can come together in faith. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. You know, I believe that you'll change your life if you'll change your words. Hallelujah. Way to go, Pastor. That was really good. (laughs) 
He goes on, he says, verse 13, he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now the God of hope, the God of a confident expectation that something good is about to happen in your life. That's the God that we serve. The God of hope that says good things are about to happen for you. And just about the time that the, the good is close, the devil's going to say, you ain't got a chance. Which one will you believe? He says, fill us with joy and peace. Joy, I've, I'm trying to, I try to share this definition with you so much on joy, but it's the settled assurance that God is in control. Do you believe that? God is in control. Okay, let me ask you this. You believe God's in control of America? Do you? Well, then start praying like it. Let your mind and your mouth be in unity. Ooh, that good preaching, brother. I wasn't expecting to say that. It's the settled assurance that God is in control. It's the quiet confidence that it's going to be okay. And it's the determined choice to praise Him. When all hell is breaking loose on you, that's a good day to praise God. Why? That doesn't make sense, does it? That doesn't make sense in this mind. This mind says, no, I ought to gripe. I ought to complain. Until the Lord brings His joy through the Holy Ghost. And then I realize I've got a choice today to worship Him and praise Him. Amen. Verse 33 is the end of this thing and the end of this chapter. And he describes himself as the God of peace. Now peace is, um, it means completeness and wholeness. It's more than just tranquility, but it is tranquility. But it's this, it's tranquility in the, in the midst of a storm. It means, it means you could be facing your hardest battle, but you have peace. And it doesn't make any sense. And that's why the Lord describes His peace. He says, the peace that passes understanding. What's that mean? The peace that God, you cannot understand. It's, it's larger than your little noggin there. The peace of God goes beyond human reasoning. I'm so thankful that he calls himself the God of peace. Now Paul, writing in verse 14, he said, I myself am confident concerning you. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of preachers are not confident about the people they pastor. Because we know human nature. And if you pastor it a long time, people will fail you. But I'm so thankful that confidence doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from human reasoning. That confidence comes from God. And Paul says, I'm confident, not about him, but about you. I am confident concerning you that you're full of goodness. Hmm. How many people remember there was a day when people used to call Christians goody two-shoes? And we were insulted. How stupid. If somebody calls you goody two-shoes, say thank you, I'm like my daddy. 
you're representing God because God's a God of goodness. Now maybe they don't talk like that anymore. But they ought to. John, why are you always so good? Why when people curse you, do you bless them? That doesn't make sense. Why are you always giving to people in need? They don't give it back to you. Because there's a goodness in me. Where does that goodness come from? From the Spirit of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. See, the, the goodness that Paul looked down and he saw, I see that you're good, there's a goodness in you. It ain't them, it's God. Man, we need to let Jesus shine, don't we? And he says, you need to overflow in that goodness. Filled with knowledge and able to admonish. The goodness is a propensity to do good. When people do bad, you want to do good. Oh, that's, that's human nature, isn't it? I'm not talking about human nature today. I'm talking about God's nature. And that God's nature is in you. There's a propensity in us because of the Spirit of God that we want to do good to people. You know, the church is, the church is the one that started colleges. The church is the one that started hospitals. The church is the ones that started social services. The church has been the, the motivating force to help people all through creation. Why? Because God is in the church. It's in the house of God. He's in us. And he said, you also are able to admonish. Admonish means that we're able to guide and correct and instruct each other. Why? Because of the Lord. So the Bible says that we should divide the Word of God rightly, correctly. When you read the Word of God, it's important you get it right. Why? Because you're going to take this Word and you're going to admonish people. People that, that are doing wrong, you're not going to say, you're bad. No, so were you. Right? We're going to say, hey, bless God. Have you seen this verse? I think this verse is going to answer some questions for you. I believe, I was talking to Janice the other day, and Janice said this, Janice Fleetwood. She's got some wisdom about her. She said, the Word of God has got the, the solution to every problem we'll ever face. It answers our problems. So we take people... See, people don't care what I think. What they want to know is what does the Word of God say? Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. If Jesus did it, what should we do? The same. He went around doing good because goodness was within Him. Eleven uh, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 is a very interesting portion of Scripture. It describes the Holy Spirit and it says this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him. Who's that Him? Jesus. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. You get this? You need wisdom. You need the Holy Spirit. 
You need counsel, you need the Holy Spirit. You need knowledge, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the fear of the Lord, you need the... Are you getting me? We need more of God, not less of God. And more of the Holy Spirit. He says we have the ability to admonish, and we have these abilities in the Holy Ghost. I was going to read, but it's getting a little late. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 29 through 39, you can... You can um, look that up after service, but this, this, this mess up guy, Peter, I like to call him impetuous Peter. He's always opening his mouth saying something stupid. I can identify with him. Uh, this Peter had, had, an, had something happen to him on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came upon 120 folks. And man, it rocked their world. And people heard them speaking in tongues and they thought they were drunk. And it was Peter who stood up. And Peter preached a sermon to them. And they got so convicted, they said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Repent, accept Jesus as Lord and be baptized in the name of the Lord. I think it was 3,000 people that day gave their heart to Jesus. Amen. Then the next chapter, come on, I, I don't want you to get far from, don't get far from this, oh, I don't want to, screw up. That's the only word I know. Peter was a screw up. He was always making mistakes. Something happened when the Holy Ghost came on him. Are you getting this? In Acts chapter 3, I believe it was Barnabas and, and Peter that was going to the temple to pray. The temple called Beautiful. And there was a guy there begging. He said, hey, can you help me? You got any money? I just need enough to buy lunch. I need money to, to help myself. And Peter, it caught his attention. This mess up. This guy who couldn't seem to get it going. Can you identify with that? All of a sudden, Peter looked at him. He said, hey, you look at me. Fix your eyes on me. Because I don't have silver and gold. I don't have what you're asking for. But what I do have is going to rock your world. What I do have is going to be more than money could ever do for you. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And He is going to change you today. Folks, do you realize we got that same gift? How come we're walking around like we're powerless when the Holy Spirit is in us? You're not powerless. You're not hopeless. You're not void of understanding. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. 2 Corinthians 2.16 says, But you have the mind of Christ. Peter reached down and grabbed that old boy. The Bible doesn't say that God healed him until Peter jerked him up. Well, God either had to heal him or Peter going to be walking around with a lame guy. <laughs> Jesus, come on! <laughs> reached down, grabs that boy, pulls him up, and all of a sudden, strength comes to them legs. Do you believe this verse? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You realize you don't serve. There was not a day of miracles 
There's a God of miracles, and we serve Him. The last thing Peter said in this verse, and in Romans 15 where we're covering, he said, I have written more boldly to you on some points because of the grace given to me. Most of the church only has one definition for grace. The unmerited favor of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. There's another definition for grace. It's the empowerment of God. Grace will enable you to do and to be what you cannot do and be by yourself. Anybody need a little bit more grace? I like my pastor used to say, God adds His super to your natural so that He can flow through you and do great and mighty things. In Philippians 2, the same writer, Paul, says, it's God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. You ever see yourself like that? God, I'm just weak. God says, all right, (laughs) I can work with weak, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not even know how we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Zechariah in the Old Testament is speaking this word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the guy, after years and years of being in bondage, they allowed them to go back. And they, they appointed Zerubbabel and Ezra to go back. And their, their task was to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And he says to Zerubbabel, listen to these words. Zerubbabel, I wish you'd just put your name there. It's not by might. And it's not by power. You're not strong enough to do what I'm going to call you to do. You're not smart enough to do what I'm going to call you to do. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Folks, let that get down in your heart. What has God called you to do? Does it make you nervous? Does it scare you? Are you, have you ever got to that point where you thought, I can't do this, God? This is too hard. I don't know what to do next. God says it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit that lies within you. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's within you. You see, the day you got saved, we teach this a little wrong. In Sunday school, we tell people all the time, you get saved and Jesus comes into your heart. That's a little wrong. It ain't Jesus because Jesus said, I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you. So who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. The three in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When you ask Jesus to come in your heart, the Holy Spirit comes there. Now what are you going to do with Him? Are you going to allow Him to be Lord? Are you going to keep trying to make all the decisions of your life? I think it's time that the church would throw up their hands and say, I've done everything I can do. It's your turn to take over, Holy Spirit.
it's your turn. Whatever you want to do in me, I'm willing to allow you. Folks, I've come to tell you this. Quit pushing the Holy Spirit off. Start pulling Him in. Let Him be your best friend. Talk to Him. Embrace Him. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you, if you need this, I'm going to ask you to take a step out of your chair. And I'm going to ask you to come and just stand in this altar area. And I believe that what you're saying is, I need more of you, Holy Spirit. And if that's your prayer today, I'm going to ask that you come down and God will touch you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're not a Christian, the way you start is by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And just tell Him, I will follow you. That's what Jesus asked the disciples. I believe that's what He asked from us every day. Will you follow me? You know what I say? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'll follow you, Jesus. I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, my guide, not my co-pilot. I want you to be the pilot. I'll follow you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would visit each one. I pray, Lord, as people are are declaring, Lord, I need more. I need more. The battle's been tough, and I need more. God, there's been times when my mouth and my mind didn't agree, and I've spoke some words that I ought not spoke. I've been just a negative Nelly lately, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me of those negative words. I pray, Lord, that they would fall to the ground and die and bear no fruit in my life, God. I believe I should be positive because I'm a child of the King. God, I pray the Holy Spirit would visit us today. Baptize these people, Lord Jesus, in Your power and in Your might. Flow mightily in this place, Lord. Come on, Treva, sing with me. Jesus, we need You. Come on, church, tell Him. We need You, Jesus. Every moment Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See us as a needy people. Come on, folks. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Pray. Sing. Whatever. But lift your voice. Let your mind hear your voice. Let your mind hear the words coming from your heart. Fill me up, Jesus. Fill me up. Now this grace, my heart, sing out your praise forever. I need you every moment. I need you here now. This grace, my heart, sing out. Hallelujah. Forever, oh Jesus, I need you every moment. I need. Oh
Whatever you want to do, whatever you. 